Hey folks, Happy New Year. Since starting the podcast in late 2018, I have met some great founders and heard heaps of wonderful startup tales. In today's episode, I've taken the stories of three hardworking Shopify app entrepreneurs and focused on how they got started. The Shopify app store now has 8,000 apps as of January 2023, and it still represents a wonderful opportunity. So let's hear from three of the originals. Mike Potter is the CEO and co-founder of the Rewind Backup app. Jay Myers is the co-founder of Bold Apps, and Bjorn Forsberg is the owner of Forsberg Plus Two. So first up is Mike Potter. Mike Potter is the CEO and the co-founder of the Rewind app, which is now one of the most popular apps in the Shopify app store. When I spoke to Mike back in October 2018, he had 20 employees. He now has over 100 and his success has been absolutely phenomenal. In this excerpt, you'll hear how Mike took one of the most boring topics within the tech SaaS space and turned it into a wonderful business and a wonderful success story. Not only does the Rewind app back up Shopify, but since the interview, Mike has also moved across to big commerce and QuickBooks and is planning on expanding the business across a range of software applications. So here it goes. I started Rewind with my business partner, James, about three years ago. I had run a previous startup about five to six years ago, ended up working with James, my business partner, for a bit at another company. And I just emailed him and I said, you know, I really want to work with you again. Loved what we were doing. And let's see if we can do something. And so we started working on another product. Had nothing to do with Shopify, completely different. We worked on that for about six months, tried to try to give it a good go. Really wasn't working out. You know, there was nobody that was installing it. We couldn't get anybody using it. So one day I went up to him and I said, you know, what if we did backups? Now I'm a big backup guy. I mean, I've, I don't know about you, but I've lost data, you know, on my work computer. I've lost data at home. And I really, you know, have made a promise to myself now that that's never going to happen. So, you know, at home, I, I back up my backups. I've got two hard drives at home. Those are both mirrored into the cloud so that I, I don't lose any data. I've lost those important pictures, you know, of, of kids. I've lost important data from my work computer. I was doing a presentation one time in Chicago. I used to be um, a technical evangelist at Adobe, and I was doing a presentation in Chicago in front of a few hundred people, and my boss and my hard drive crashed there, and I lost that whole entire hard drive. Like, I've had, I've had those experiences, and I think if you've had those, you know the importance of a backup, and you know the – you really want to make sure that – you never go through that again, right? Because it really is a, a, just a hopeless feeling that you get in the pit of your stomach when you go in and, you know, your hard drive doesn't, your computer doesn't boot up or your hard drive doesn't have all the files on it or or, yeah. or what have you. It's, Mike, it's interesting that you say that because uh, people that are listening would probably think that when, when we now live in the world of the cloud, that backup isn't required. But um, it's in, you know when you when you get into the detail of the app, obviously backup is required. What, when you said you, you you contacted your business partner, what what year was that? Was that long ago? Twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen. We started this yeah three years ago. Okay. Okay. So a, you know, he, your reaction is the same as as James's was, right? I mean, he, when I told him, I said I think we should do backups for Shopify. He said, Why would you do that? It's in the cloud. Like it's all backed up. That's definitely the assumption that most store owners have. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, since you visited us during the year, we, we put your app in this, any store that we build as a, as a kind of a default. Initially, when we talk to the clients, they kind of don't understand why it's required. And then eventually, after a very short two minute conversation, they they understand why it is absolutely required. 
So that's, that's, um, you know, it's the opposite to the way the majority of people would, I would think. I suppose the, the perception is not the reality. Um, so at that time then, did you sit down? You know, I know you told me before you, you had experience or you knew of Shopify. Obviously Shopify started in Ottawa. And I, you know, could you just explain how you, I know how you, how you ended up choosing Shopify, but just explain the link there with Toby and the, the Ottawa base. You're, you know, you, you guys are pretty much, you know, close to each other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we're in Ottawa and they're in Ottawa. And, you know, to be honest with you, when we first started it, we really just wanted to work for them. I mean, you know, the company was growing amazingly well. Um, it was, it, it's been, you know, the darling of the Ottawa tech scene for probably the last decade, at least I would say. And so, you know, even three years ago, even five years ago, I, I, I was trying to figure out how do you get in there. And so, yeah, three years ago, I said, why don't we just do Shopify? We can build this product and, you know, maybe we'll build a cool app and they'll 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 hire us. You know, they, we can get a job there. I, I've always said that the best way to get a job at a company is to, uh, is to make it right. Build it on your own and, and build something that that company needs and then and then make your job, make it make it happen. And so that was sort of the original intent. We we built the entire application to really mimic their technology stack as much as we knew. And so, you know, when they came in, we would have been able to say, okay, you know, it's built on the same technologies that you guys are using internally. We're familiar with your APIs and yeah, we'd love to work with you. And turns out that rather than do that, we've built a pretty successful app with, um, you know, tens of thousands of people who've installed it now. And growing, growing very, very well. We're just about to hit we're just past 15 people and we'll be 20 people by the end of the year. So we're growing nicely and yeah, we're, we're saving stores and we're helping people recover their data, which is really honestly the most important thing in my mind. Fantastic. And I think when we met, which was four or five months ago, I think you were up to 10 people. And I remember you telling me that you were going home to confirm some more hires. That, that's a great, that's a great story. Jay Myers is the co-founder of one of the most popular app developers in the Shopify ecosystem. In fact, Jay Myers was one of the first app developers to even have an app in the ecosystem. His first app, the Upsell app, actually took down Shopify's API at one point, and Jay tells the story very humorously. He's a really, really nice guy and a wonderful, wonderful gentleman to learn from. In the episode, I remember I was recording from a bedroom of a hotel, talking into my laptop, very, very nervous to talk to the most popular Shopify app developer. And Jay, as I said, is an absolute gent. So here goes. So I was a, I was a merchant and I probably right around the same time as you. I, I think I heard about Shopify in 2000. Uh, it was like late 2009. And I, I had been running online stores since 1998 was the first store I launched. When I built that store in 98, it didn't even have a shopping cart. I just, it had products and a phone number to call. It was, uh, I built it with Microsoft front page. I was there. <laughs> yeah. So, and then went through, a, like, I mean, fast forward, I guess almost 12 years later, I went through various platforms, uh, was big on eBay for a few years, like in the early 2000s, eBay was like, what Amazon is now, like everyone was selling on eBay. And then after a while, you realize you're, you're really just renting customers. You're not building a brand or a, a business and it, it's, it makes, makes good money. But anyway, so I started building sites in 2009. I just heard about Shopify actually from a email from MailChimp, which coincidentally now they, <laughs> now they don't work together anymore. But like, so I got an email from MailChimp saying, Hey, big news. We now have a Shopify app. Oh, what's, what's Shopify? Clicks on the link. 
So I moved over one of my stores and I think I was like store number 8,000 or something. So I was actually pretty early on as a merchant. And then like one of the things I just loved being a merchant, like at that time, I think Shopify was one of the first platforms that had the concept of an app store. It's fairly common now, like a lot of e-commerce platforms have as some type of an app store or, or a marketplace, but that was new. And when I saw that, I was just like a kid in a candy shop. Like every day I would go in and it, and at the time there was only like 40 apps. So there was like one new app a week. Now there's multiple new ones a day, but I would go in every couple of days and see if there was any new app and I would install every single app. And then of course I had like a hundred ideas of like apps I wanted because back then there was very, very little. So I was one day at a pub with one of my best friends and I was like, Hey, I think I want to build a Shopify app. And he's, he's a, he, he actually helped run a e-commerce agency and, and he's like, what? He had never heard of Shopify. So I kind of told him about Shopify and he just said, Hey, I know these two really good developers. Why don't we just build it and see if we can make a little beer money on the side? Like it was kind of an experiment. And I, and I thought, well, great, perfect. Cause then I can use the app on my store too. So we did that. We we thought to ourselves, well, what's the easiest app we can build? Uh, the first app I really wanted was a product comparison app. So you you know you pick multiple products and you click compare and it stacks them up side by side and you can compare features and specs. But we decided that one was, was uh, a bit too hard. So we we were like, well, let's just build an upsell app. That's that's a piece of cake. So it turns out here we are, like seven days later, we're actually still adding features to that. <laughs> And building on that original upsell app, but we just, you know, the, the basic original concept was you just, you add something to the cart and a pop-up comes up and you're buying a leather jacket and it's like, Hey, would you like the leather treatment kit? And it, it was a super simple thing to us in our heads. But what we didn't realize at the time was it was, it was kind of revolutionary on Shopify because it was the first time we launched it. It actually took down Shopify. So like some store ran a sale. It was, um, the chive. This doesn't happen anymore. This was a long time ago, but like they would run a sale. And because of the amount of times that the app was popping up and the API calls were on the front end of the store and there was no API throttling or anything back then. So like Shopify went down. So they, they maxed out capacity as a result of the success of the app. Yeah, because the way the API was originally designed was not to be used on the front end of a store. It was the API was originally designed for integration apps. And that's what most of the apps were back then. They were like integrate with MailChimp, integrate with UPS, integrate with QuickBooks, integrate with something. And they were to, they would do back-end batch jobs so like at night it would sync your orders. But an app that lived on the front end of the store that did calls based off of like traffic. So if there was a million people on the front end of a store all adding something to the cart, it would be, it would take it down. So at first they actually didn't, they weren't super crazy about the app. They're like, well, this is not really using the API the way we intended. But then merchants loved it and were raving about it. And it was like, it became the number one app like right away. And, and then, and then Shopify figured out a way to make it work. They said, okay, well, let's, we're going to have, API throttling and they just implemented a few things to make it work. And we, we kind of saw it, the, the, the potential of it early on. So right away, we, we kind of said, okay, well, what's the next, next app we're going to build? And so then we built product discount and then we built store locator and then options and then quantity breaks and then one by one. And then, yeah, like we were in my basement. <laughs> First employees were, I had an unfinished basement. So it kind of worked out perfect. We just set up desks down there and. 
Bjorn Forsberg owns Forsberg Plus Two, and he also runs one of the most popular Shopify app houses in the Shopify community. He has over 85,000 customers, and he runs the popular apps like Orderly Emails and Orderly Print. The interesting thing about Bjorn is, is that his business was a one-man show up to a couple of years ago, and he previously worked in the finance area, and he decided that he wanted something different. So here goes. I found Shopify in terms of the capability for to build a business in terms of an agency around it. But what you did was you actually saw the opportunity to actually build a developer agency around it and you yeah. couldn't code. So two questions for you. How did you find Shopify and how did you go from your nine to five in a bank to developing some of the most popular apps in the Shopify ecosystem? <laughs> yeah. oh, what, a, what a nice way to put it. But uh, yeah, it's a I, we just had our first uh, first child and um, I had uh, paternity leave uh, from my banking job. And it, it was an investment bank where they build sort of online trading systems. So it was a very technology-focused company. Um, and I sort of, I started out in customer services, moved into um, sort of managerial role, and then finally moved over to project management. Um, and then, so I was getting closer and closer to the IT part of the business and, you know, Part of my job was to sort of translate the business goals. Um, you know, we need this functionality and then translating that into something that IT could build. I was getting into the process of building software without actually building it myself. And how I found Shopify was really, I was actually looking to start an online store. So we just had our daughter and we thought, oh, wow, we'll, you know, I'd like to have a, a little side project and I'll sell something. And obviously, you know, when you've just had a, a child, you're always thinking about, you know, what do they need? So we're going to get into like organic baby clothes or these engraved dummies that you can get with their names on them or whatever. So I was, I was just researching that and, and I came across Shopify. And um, yeah, as I was reading through it, part of the trouble was we lived in a, a tiny apartment. It was like 59 square meters or something. You know, the thought of having a warehouse didn't really fit well with our living situation. And then also, you know, the amount of capital that you put out before you can sell something. Anyway, I noticed while I was researching Shopify that they had this app store and that you could basically build an app and have them market it in their app store and then you could get customers that way. And at the time, it was you know, almost 10 years ago now. And uh, there was a forum post there with a list of things that, that merchants were looking to have apps for or that Shopify itself couldn't do yet. Um, so they're looking for somebody. So, so I went down that list and sort of went, hmm, maybe I could build one of these and sort of took it from there. So was that a was that a public a public forum? Yeah, it was the I guess it's called uh, communities.shopify.com. I think it's been renamed. I'm not sure exactly what it's called anymore, but uh, yeah, it was just a, a forum post that was pinned to the top of uh, the app section. So it was quite uh, quite amazing that you could just sort of, you know, look down this list and and obviously I I wanted to pick something that wasn't huge. So I I I saw that somebody was looking for an invoicing solution where you could select multiple orders and then have them print off. Shopify had a free app that would let you do one order at a time. But I thought, hey, it'll save people time by being able to do multiple orders at once. And that's kind of where the idea for, for orderly print came along. Now, you're talking about 2011. Was dropshipping popular at that time? Because that could have been another option if you, if you want to go down the store route. Yeah, I think it was, at least on my radar, it hadn't come on yet. So, yeah, it so maybe doors. it was just in its infancy, but I think that was a couple of years later. Yeah. So yeah. you're working in the bank. And I've been around those kind of roles before. So in actual fact, what you were doing was you were learning how to develop and how the processes worked, how the systems worked, even though, as you say, you weren't hard coding. So did, did it twig with you that you had some sort of a competency or that you were attracted to it and that you could probably do it? Uh, definitely. And I think the hard part was finding something that was small enough that I felt this could actually be an app that people will pay for. And at the same time, not too much for me to 
to both have somebody else build for me with the budget that I had and then feeling like, hey, I can actually understand this space enough without being a, a domain expert, I guess you could say. So yeah, that was kind of my criteria. And then I had $2,000 to spend and uh, went uh, and found a, a company online that, that specialized in, in small, small apps and uh, had them build the first version. So my, my biggest job there at the start was really you know, designing all the screens and sort of explaining if somebody clicks this button, what should happen? What should they see exactly on the screen? So it was an extremely detailed document. But that also means that you can give it to somebody else that then they can understand exactly what should happen when somebody, yeah, when they're building it. So effectively, you were building a requirements doc similar to what you would have been involved in anyway within the bank and you were giving that to somebody else. That was exactly what I was doing. Yeah. So I just took my template from work and, and did a similar thing for, for myself. And I maybe did it even more detailed because it was my own money. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, yeah. you, you mentioned uh, $2,000. That wouldn't get you very much now, Bjorn. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Um, no. I had, and I think you know their idea was also just created a little MVP for me. And then, of course, as money started coming in and I didn't, needed more features, I'd come back to them and say, hey, can you also build this? So you know, I guess that was like V0.1. And then uh, as more uh, I started getting customers on the app, then then you know I'd reinvest that money into the into the app again. So did it? When did it launch? The, the first app was it 2012? Yeah, beginning of 2012. I think it was February. And at, so, at what stage in that process did you start to uh, teach yourself how to code? That was, uh, oh, I'd say, a couple of years later. Yeah. So first, I was just doing customer support during the nights. Um, so I had this app, and then you know, if something didn't work like it should, I'd note it down and then send it off to the developers to have it fixed. So I was sort of a middleman, I guess you could say. It was my app, of course, but somebody else was building it. And to begin with, you know, you get a couple of customers, then you get a couple more, and it slowly sort of snowballs, right? Um, and I'd save up money and then ask for new features and send off that money. And eventually I got tired of, of sending them all my money. Um, so I started you know, making small fixes myself, reading books. Um, and it was much easier because I understood what the app does. So I just had to read through the code to see how it does it. right? And, and then that's how I sort of taught myself. That's a good um, reason to teach yourself how to code, uh, Bjorn. You just said you were giving them all your money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it was kind of a necessity, you know, at that time, that was a couple of years later, and and I was using my my evenings um, with young kids and everything else to to sort of focus on this. So I figured I might as well start getting something for this this work. I was working for free for a couple of years, I guess. Yeah, we all did that, Bjorn. <laughs> yeah, no, it's my apprenticeship, I guess you could say. Yeah, absolutely. I heard a very good line one time: uh, the best uh, form of uh, VC capital is your salary. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Do the yeah. do the side hustle and work full time. So then, so 2011, 2012. So at what point did you go full-time then? That was in 2015. So I launched a second app about six months before, uh, Order Printer Templates. And that was um, sort of taking off quite well and, and starting to generate pretty serious sort of uh, income. At least I was, I was basically matching my, my full-time salary on these side businesses. And I thought, if I can you know, get it this far uh, with a couple of hours at night, then what can I do if I actually go full-time on this? So I, I waited until, yeah, I was getting a similar amount of money from both my app business to my actual salary and then just transitioned over. Yeah, it's, it's funny. The, the way you describe it is actually textbook. Like information is readily available now and the startup culture is just everywhere and VCs are everywhere. And it, the, you're describing it very eloquently. But I think the bit that 
maybe we're not hearing is, is that it was tough work, wasn't it? And long hours. Oh, absolutely. It was uh, late nights and stressful times as well. When, you know, in the Shopify app business, you sort of live off reviews. So you're always trying to, to do the absolute best you can and give yeah. people good service and everything else. But at the same time, you're sort of always worried about, you know, one, one or two people getting a bad experience and leaving a bad review and that can have a huge outcome. So yeah. it's kind of a stressful journey, I guess you could say. You know, Shopify app business has grown since then and the market for apps has grown hugely since then. And I think VCs and private equity have really gotten their eyes open for Shopify. So, you know, starting an app on Shopify now is is maybe easier to get capitalized than it was when I did it. But I guess I've always been this sort of bootstrapper that wants to go go at myself, you know, see where I go. Thanks for listening. All of our episodes are available on Spotify, iTunes and Google Podcasts. A special note of appreciation goes to our sponsors, Rewind.io, the leading backup solution for Shopify store owners. Get your first month of Rewind for free by simply responding to any welcome email once you sign up for your free trial on Rewind.io. If you're a Shopify user with an exciting story to tell, reach out to the team on podcast at milkbottlelabs.com. Until the next time, take care.